This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Sports are back, and MyBookie.ag is now offering 100% deposit bonus when you use the pro promo code SGP. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by the leaders in daily fantasy, DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code SGP to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. That's promo code SGP to get a shot at a million dollars of prizes in prizes all week long, only at DraftKings. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Want an advantage over the sports book with the NBA, NHL, and MLB all back in action? You need to download BetQL, the only app that you need to make smart bets this season. Head to betql.co and enter code SGP20 for 20% off your first subscription. That's betql.co, promo code SGP20. We're also brought to you by Ace Perhead. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Golf Gambling Podcast. Chris Boston, Capper Clifford, joined by my co-host Steve, the god of golf himself, Shermer. What's up, Steve? You ready for these playoffs, baby? I am ready. I mean, like, it was kind of a pretty whirlwind summer after coming back from COVID. But, you know, we got the playoffs coming. We got some strong events. We got some good golf courses on tap, too, for these. So let's get it rolling. Yeah, man, uh, I know I'm excited. We can, uh, what we'll do is we'll recap a little bit of last week, uh, see what went right, went wrong for us. And if we think anything carries over from last week, I mean, uh, I'm not quite sure if, if anything carries over, it seems like a a different course, but we'll let you get to that in the, in the breakdown. Anything go great for us last week. You think, I mean, you hit you hit you hit a couple things, man. I mean, my, uh, my DK was okay until Siwoo uh, decided to completely lose course management on Sunday. Yeah. What was that? I mean, he, he missed that shot and he felt, I feel like he felt like he had to make that shot up and that's why he went driver and then he lost the ball completely. Made, and he got it back like two holes later, but I feel like he just completely lost the course management. Like he was course, he was doing so well. And then it's just, it's Siwoo, man. I mean, that's what you got to expect with Siwoo, right? You typically expect it with the putting, but I mean, it was just a, it was, a, it was so sad. So sad for me. Yeah. I mean, like going into Sunday, like I did not think I, I didn't think he was going to get caught just because the ball striking numbers look good. And he wasn't relying so much on the putting. Like I always say putting regression fade that comes to the next round, but it was re- looking really good for him. And then he kind of came out a little bit on f- flat first couple holes. And it seems like he just, what was a hole number six where he put it into the, the Came brush. The, there. Yeah. The brush. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he went on tilt. Like he's so, like at a poker game. So I actually think it happened the whole prior when he didn't make that birdie. Okay. And I feel like he thought he needed to make that birdie. He thought he dropped a stroke. So he was going to go ahead and instead of making the smart play, he gripped it and ripped it and lost it. And then he really went on tilt. But then, I mean, look, his back nine was solid. Like, I mean, he still, I mean, he didn't completely implode, but you know, it's tough. I mean, who the hell was, who, who thought Herman was going to win? I mean, well, no one, no one did. He was <laughs> no 600 to one. No one. I think, I think he had like 0.1% ownership in all the GPPs. The, the guy I want to talk about is Billy Horschel though. Cause I think we both were on him last week, 33 yeah. to one. Yep. And I, he had that tournament wrapped up. So, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you look at these like live probability numbers um, and like, 
it, there's some debate whether they're actually like they hold up or not. But so on data golf, they had the live probability chart and at hole 15, you know what Billy Horschel's probability when the golf tournament was 87 and eh, not that much. It was 75%. That's not bad. That's, I mean, it's that's not bad. I mean, he looked in such a cruise control, but he missed that putt. I think on 11, a really short birdie. Sure. And I, and, and I said in the Slack channel, I'm like, God, I really hope this isn't going to cost him. <laughs> and it did. And then you had basically a two shot swing on 16 where he, you know, hit into the bank, couldn't get up and down for par, missed another kind of manageable purdy, but the following hole and then missed another one, 18. And, you know, I think back with Billy Horschel, and I can't exactly say I'm surprised he choked it because he's actually had some choke jobs in the past in big spots. Um, one of which is that at TBC Boston this week, he was in contention in 2014 and he had put one in the marsh there on 18. And then back at the Zurich a couple of years ago, remember he was in that like five way playoff and he missed like a two footer. Yeah, it was, oh, it was, it was bad. So uh, yeah. And it was so crazy. Like, I mean, how the commentators were, and he, uh, we're talking about the, that putt on 18. We never saw the people who made it. All we did was see the people who missed it. And he had such a good read from it too. Like, I mean, it was what, like a foot over to the right. He had a perfect, like, he, I mean, he had a good line. If you were made it, we would got some free golf, but yeah, whatever. I mean, good for, uh, good for him. I mean, he, the dude that, I guess Herman, he's won three times on tour. Is I that know right? that well, is so, insane. So he won the Barracuda last year and okay. he didn't, he didn't even make the FedEx cup playoffs for it. <laughs> <That's insane. laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes to show that like, like when you bet on golf, these winners sometimes just come out of nowhere. And if that's really all you're betting every week with golf, you, you, you're doing it wrong. There's so many other ways to make consistent money week after week, you know, betting futures are a lot of fun, but when a guy like Jim Herman kind of ruins the party for everybody, it's, it's not a lot of fun. No, I agree. But listen, it was a good tournament. It was, it was obviously a lot different than the week prior. It was a birdie fest. Um, this course kind of shapes up to be the same way. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and uh, kind of break it down for everybody. This is uh, my neck of the woods, TPC Boston. Uh, I promise you I've never been there. I didn't even pick up golf until uh, I was in my mid to late 20s. Uh, and this is uh, not the part of Boston that I'm familiar with. It's at Norton Norwood. Uh, it's uh, it's the white part of Boston that uh, is portrayed in every uh, every bad Boston movie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So uh, break down the course for us, man. Uh, what are we looking for? you know, uh, as far as, uh, what type of golfers we're targeting and what type of course it is. Sure. So this is actually a fairly new golf course. Uh, it was opened in 2003 by Arnold Palmer. Um, but it's current design in 2007, it was basically ripped up by Gil Hans. Now Gil Hans is a very well-renowned golf architect. Um, he's responsible for a lot of great renovations, like at LA country club, they're going to host the U S open in a couple of years. Uh, he's responsible for a lot of work done at Pinehurst, you know, kind of restoring that more to the Donald Ross classical, like minimalist, you know, rugged golf course. And you look at a lot of his designs, you know, he tends to try and let the land speaks for itself. He doesn't really want to move a lot, a whole lot of earth. He kind of wants to fit a golf course into the land itself and try, and try to like mold the land around a golf course. And that's kind of what we have this week. Like it, it it's, it's a TPC. And typically I've been very critical of TPCs. Like the, you're usually the cookie cutter, 
holes they're in neighborhoods like there's they're boring but this one it's really interesting it looks like you know the backwoods of new england through like the marsh and the wetlands there's a lot of like rugged like waste areas um and another thing that's interesting too is it's it's kind of nice that you know there's no fans the holes are basically isolated from each other so you can't when you're playing the golf course you can't really see any other hole around it and it looks you know, it looks pretty cool. Um, it's also a type of golf course too, where, you know, some of these TPC golf courses, there's a ton of water, like you're going to lose a lot of balls, but this one, it's a little more friendly to a higher handicap. Um, you know, it's not overly long. There's not a whole lot of trouble in front of the green. So if you've got somebody who wants to play like kind of with a ground game, you'd kind of bump it, run it up to the green. But what makes this a really good golf course though, is if you're someone who wants to go aggressive, try and go for birdie, try and go pin hunting. There is a lot of trouble around where they put certain pins just based on how undulated the greens can be. There's some, you know, pretty deep bunkers right off the green that you don't really want to be in. And that's what makes this for an interesting tournament. Um, you know, some pros like that style of golf, some pros don't really like that style of golf. There was a controversy there a couple of years ago when Gil Hans put in a centerline bunker on 12, all the players complained about it, even though there was plenty of room to navigate around it. Some guys are even trying to go over to the 13th fairway in order to hit around it. He ended up caving and they up getting rid of it. But um, you know, overall it's pretty wide open off the tee. Um, you know, it's tree line, but they're pretty far off the fairways. You don't really have to worry about it too much. The rough isn't really that you know, all that difficult, um, greens aren't very big, but you know, they're generous enough. Um, so as far as like a, you know, what types of golfers you want to favor, we've seen long hitters play well here. We've seen short hitters play well here, but really the most important, you know, attribute that I'm going to be looking for this week is iron play because this is a second shot golf course. There's a lot of locations on these greens where you can tuck the pins. And while it is easy to score birdies, if you're uh, hitting your irons, well, you can get in a lot of trouble if you're scrambling up and down for par. If you're someone who's missing a lot of greens this week, kind of like last week, you don't really have a whole, uh, a very good shot. All right. Well, listen, I, I mean, that's uh that, I mean, that sounds like I mean, it sounds like last week, really, it really does. Right. We looked for hot iron players last week. Scrambling didn't really matter because if you missed the green, you toast. So yeah, but yeah, basically if you're going to go like build a model, um, you know, focus on your stroke gain T to green off the T approach. Um, as far as like the par fours, they're not overly long. Um, there's only three that are over 470 yards. Um, there's three par fives on the course. Two of them are definitely reachable and two for everybody. One of them is a little longer, but they might be able to play with the tees in order to make it reachable for everybody. Uh, three of the four par fours are over 200 yards though. So if you're looking for proximity stats, I would generally focus between like 150 and 200 yards on the par fours and maybe over 200 yards, just because there's going to be some longer approaches on the par fives and on the par threes you want to, um, focus on. And if you're someone who really cares about, you know, your different grass types, it's bent grass greens. Um, they run a little faster on the stint meter. They're going to run about 12 to 12 and a half. Um, so a little faster in tour average. So if you're someone that likes to look at guys who are good on quicker greens and on bent grass, that's where you want to go. So, so just a real quick on that, right? So you always hear about players who putt better on, you know, Bermuda or whatever. Do you think that's a mental thing or do you think that's, do you, I mean, do they roll so different that it really, I mean, you can see some guys with like a stroke difference in putting on different surfaces. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 some, some of it. I think is how you know what they grew up with. Right. I mean, if you put on Bermuda greens all your life, you know, you're going to know how the grass grows, you know, throughout the day, you know, like how that changes with the speeds or like, you know, how it is like putting into the grain or something. Uh, you know, with POA, that's going to be very inconsistent. There's going to be little bumpy patches that you kind of just got to take your lumps. Um, I don't personally think it's that big of a deal just because I think putting is so random, but you know, and, and we'll talk about a couple guys tonight where there is a little bit of a difference between the two. Um, you know, I, I think some people go a little overboard with the grass types, but it's something where I think, you know, if you, if you're looking for golfers to look for, it's, it's like an ice cream sundae. You got your base, you know, then he puts a little toppings on it. And then the grass types is usually like the cherry on top. That's usually how I use um, I gotcha. the grass types when I want to handicap what guys I like a week, you know, in a week. So, so, I mean, so I guess when I was looking at it earlier this week, like I was definitely tagging in bombers, right? Uh, I mean, is this a, is this a bomber type course? Like, I feel like you said it's not necessarily long, but if you take a look at like a lot of the past winners, it looks like bombers for the most part, you know, have an advantage. Yeah. I mean, it, I think anywhere you go, length is an advantage, but you know, look at some of said. the, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we've seen Chris Kirkwin here. You know, he won 2014, definitely not a long hitter. Ricky Fowler's one here. You know, I mean, he's got above average length, but he's not the longest guy out there. Um, you know, Justin Thomas, he's kind of known as a longer hitter, but if you kind of look at his driving stats, he's not all that long. He's like, I mean, you know, around the 30th place. Henrik Stenson's one here. He uses a three wood off the tee everywhere. Um, I've seen guys like Cameron Smith play well here. I know Zach Johnson likes this golf course too. Uh, Brant Snedeker has a good history here. Matt Kuchar has a good history here. So, you know, you look at kind of the list of all the guys who have typically done well at TPC Boston, you know, it's a mix of bombers and a mix of shorter hitters. But the one thing that kind of links all of them is just really good iron play. So I'm definitely not discounting someone just because they're short off the tee. Um, actually, I found a quote from Zach Johnson when they asked him about this uh, golf course and said, one of the reasons why I like this place is on a lot of holes, even though I'm getting up some distance off the tee, I still have a seven iron or eight iron into a lot of these greens. And right. if you're going to give a guy, you know, first of all, the, the fairways are pretty generous. And if you're going to give a shorter hitter a higher loft to club in the greens, then they're going to do pretty well and still, you know, have a little bit more of an even uh, playing field than the bombers. Yeah, makes sense to me, man. All right, well, listen, let's uh, let's break into uh, the DraftKings and uh, let's take a look and basically let's look at everybody above 10K, right? I'm not going to go through and name everybody. Um, you know, give me your give me your favorite plays up here, give me your fade, and uh, I'll give you mine, and then uh, I know we're going to argue. So uh, let's go ahead and, and jump off that way. Well, why, why don't we argue right off the bat? All right, so I mean, let, let's let's start right at the top between JT and DeChambeau, just because, I mean, I think other than Morikawa, these have been the two best players since the restart. Uh, both of them have won and they've obviously deserved, you know, their high, you know, yeah, DraftKings price this week. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at how each of them has scored the last four tournaments because there are big differences between the two. So off the tee, obviously the advantage is going to go to Bryson. Bryson has been Unreal off the tee, which you would expect given all the work he's done bulking up and By you know looking at track man and getting 200 mile per hour ball speed. Were there air uh, quotes with the work he's done? Like <clears throat> I mean, a, a I little think, a little cough. <laughs> I, I think he's just taking a page out of that. Uh, did you watch the USAM at all? 
Oh, yeah, with the fog? Well, with the fog, but the, but <laughs> this poor kid, the guy from SMU, they kept saying how many brownie Sundays he's been eating to yeah, bulk yeah. up, and yeah. I just couldn't think of, like, that's basically what Bryson does. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, don't think it's he, he might have I think some, you don't think so? You don't think he's on roids? No, I think he's just – I he, he looks like a guy who just – eats a lot of protein bars and shakes and doesn't really work out. He just, he's, he's getting kind of, yeah, he's getting a little thick in the middle, getting a little, a little thick, thick in the middle. All right. All right. So uh, regardless, I, I digress. <laughs> regardless. So keep going. I mean, I mean the work he's doing, it's, it's great off the tee. He's gained a, a stroke and a half per round off the tee. JT's kind of struggling a little bit off the tees. You know, it's still good. He's gaining about 0.4. So advantage Bryson there. Um, the other big difference is how they're doing with scrambling. You know, JT's gained about half a stroke scrambling per round. Bryce is losing strokes. He hasn't been very good since the restart. Scrambling's not a big factor this week. I'm going to ignore it. But here's where the difference comes down to me. You know me. I love my iron play and I love to fade hot putting and unsustainable putting. And slave that's to the br- stats, baby. That's you. Slave I to the stats. Slave. Yep. And that's Bryson right now. Over his last four tournaments, you know how many strokes Bryson has lost per round with his irons? No. <laughs> Almost a stroke. Oh, so really? That's he, a lot. Okay. He's taking pretty much everything he gains off the tee and almost losing it with his irons. And uh, so let I'm me sorry. ask you something though, right? Okay. So, so the strokes gained, uh, like uh, uh, w- when you're talking about he's losing a stroke, is it because like he, maybe he's putting it 24 inches versus somebody who's putting it 14 inches or 24 feet versus 14 feet. So you're talking about like a 10 feet different. What's the, what's the actual like range there that actually makes a difference, right? So how, so how it works is it basically takes how far you have into a green and then where you generally put it. So he's hitting it from closer in the fairway. So he has a shorter approach shot basically. So what you're expected to hit there, let's say he has like 110 of the green, you know, typically guys are going to put it within 15 feet. Now where he's losing strokes is he might be hitting the green, but it's like 30 feet or he might be putting it in a bunker and he's really losing the last strokes. So if you're someone who has like a wedge in hand and you're not even hitting the green or you're putting it within 30 feet, I mean, that's, you're basically wasting all the advantage you have off the tee there. So that's why I think you kind of see a little bit the the difference. Like, it's not that he's like shanking balls or like really missing greens a whole lot. It's just that where he is from hitting from, he's not taking advantage of it. Now where he's making it up though, is with his putting number. I cannot, I don't remember seeing a putting number this huge. The last four terms, he's gaining 1.6 strokes per round with his putter. But does that, does that include like, how much does the, that 92 foot putt he skewed? Like, does that skew the stats at all? Yeah, it does. But like, think about how many putts he hits like over the course of four tournaments. And I mean, and he's gaining, I think 0.8 strokes per round. I think he's like fifth on tour in, in putting this year, but didn't he work? He worked on that. Right. Like, I mean, I I mean, it it can be a muscle memory thing, right? Like, I mean, guys can improve at putting, right. And it is variable, right? Like you said, like, obviously it's the hottest thing to recreate. It's the most unsustainable number you can find, right? Like is like you can't have a sustain what some of these guys do, but if you work at it, I mean, you can improve as a potter. You definitely can, but just like, I mean, no one hits 1.6 per round. I mean, you look at guys who like who lead the tour. It's usually about a stroke per round on average, usually about maybe 0. 0.9, 0. 0.8. Like it's just, I, I have a hard time believing despite all the work he is putting in, he's suddenly Steve Strecker. I mean, yeah. like, and, and at some point, and we've seen it happen a couple times during this restart where He's great off the tee, 
doesn't really have with the irons and scrambling, whatever he's been making up with the putting, but when the putting doesn't work, I mean, that's why he missed the, you know, that's one of the reasons why he missed the cut of Memorial. That's why he didn't play very well in Memphis. Like I he mean, just I, couldn't really get, I think he missed the cut of Memorial because he took a but even so he was kind of hanging around the cut line. He wasn't really yeah, doing was. a whole lot. Yeah. So I look at Justin Thomas though, and I've already said iron play is something I'm really weighing heavily this week, gain a shot and a half per round with his irons. I mean, that's something that is sustainable. That's something for him that he's always done well. And he's a streaky putter. So he's about two or average right now over his last four tournaments with the putter. He's coming off a really bad putting week at the PGA. He's done a pretty good job kind of bouncing back after bad putting weeks. And he's also won a tournament while losing strokes uh, with a putter. So he's shown that he can actually overcome his weakness and still win a tournament. And Bryson, I just, I'm really worried that putting number. It's, it's going to go away at some point. Like it's at the end of the day, it is, did you make it or did you miss it? And it's just, I have a very hard time thinking it's sustainable. And so if you're going to ask me to pick between the two, I'm picking Justin Thomas just because of what I value this week. And I just, I, I can't stand how bad Bryson is with his irons and how unsustainably good with a putter he is. I mean, did you not see that interview today, about his, uh, his six iron and how fast his, uh, his ball speed was coming off the, off the six iron. I mean, listen, I, I'm not even a Bryson fan. Okay. Like I think he's a douche. Like I don't like, I'm not a fan. Like I don't like, I typically don't root for him. I just look at this, this area and, and basically I like JT, but there's something about JT for me that I don't like to back. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because when I watch him, sometimes he's, he's, he's kind of wild off the tee sometimes to me, like just not looking at the stats, but I feel like he gets in, he gets himself in trouble off the box a lot. I feel like DeShambo crushes it. Like if you can give yourself a wedge in, like it's got to fix itself is kind of how I think, right? Like, I mean, you can't be that long. And and he's already won here. He won an 18 before he was jacked. You know what I mean? So is that gonna is that gonna hurt him being being able to be longer? You know what I mean? Like I feel like especially with any pro athlete, you you progress, right? So from 18 to now, he should be better. Well, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. The fact that he's longer and I look at some of these holes and some of the approach distances he's going to have, he might have kind of those awkward three quarter like wedges in, you know, in yeah. that maybe he doesn't practice a whole lot. Like, and you mentioned back in 18, he was a completely different player. Like he was a lot more well-rounded back then. He was more like a, you know, he was probably a little closer than Justin Thomas at that point where he was pretty good in almost every category. And now he's just so front loaded with his putting in his off the tee. I just, I worry that if one of those things just isn't there this week, it's, it's just all going to come crashing down. That's why that's why gambling, right? Let's go. <laughs> all right. So who else? So do you like anybody else out of here? Like, so I kind of feel like I love DJ DJ's my man. Like uh, that is a guy who I always play almost no matter what, especially I feel like his price is kind of depressed. And I feel like because of where his price point is at, I feel like he's going to get ignored, right? People are going to drop down to Morikawa. Who's going to be insanely chalky this week for good reason, right? Kids amazing. But uh, I feel like if everybody's on him you know, especially in GPPs, you, you know, leverage away from leverage away from it. And so, uh, so I love, I love DJ. I like Bryson, uh, but I also feel kind of like maybe we're all being stupid and just overlooking the number one player in the world, John Rahm. But like, why is like, nobody's talking about him this week either. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard some podcasts where people are openly fading him and I, I don't really understand why. Like, I mean, I think maybe just because 
he was popular and Memphis didn't play very well. I mean, he played well, the PGA, but he doesn't, wasn't really in contention the whole lot, but just looking at his ball striking numbers, they're really good. He didn't have a good putting week at uh, TBC Harding park that could regress. And I, I think Rom and DJ are kind of both in the same boat a little bit. Like even with the bad performance at the Memorial and the three M DJ's ball striking is still really good. You know, he's coming off of a hot putting week at TBC Harding park. He's a little bit of a streaky putter. You know, I, so I think between the two, I prefer Rom, but those two between, you know, you got more you know, right around that price point or anyone who wants to maybe go up for Bryson and JT, or you had the slew of popular guys in nine thousands. They definitely could go overlooked. Right. And that's, that's where I think that DJ, I mean, if I can get DJ at 11% ownership, 12% ownership with the upside that DJ has, I just think somebody needs to give him a line of cocaine, you know, before they start on Saturday and Sunday, get that man into it. Like, I don't understand. Like he is just on Sundays, he drives me insane. He looks like he gives no fucks. And I'm like, I, I want you to do well. Can you want to do well, please? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, I, I hate what happened to him at the PGA championship, but I cannot say I'm all that surprised. I mean, like we've seen it. How many times we've seen him on Sundays, just be flat, just can't make a putt. He, Ball striking just is loose. I, is I, he the Jay Cutler of golf? <laughs> like, is he the he Jay Cutler of golf? Like, he, he like he just be. Like I've made millions of dollars. I party all the time. I'm married to a smoke show and uh, I get to go play on the weekend. I get to go play golf. Like maybe he just doesn't care. You know what I mean? Maybe he just doesn't have that killer instinct because I mean, all his buddies are winning and they rub it in his face and he's like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. I mean, some guys like they go on the PGA tour, they obtain a certain level of success and make a little money. And sometimes they're just content with that. And I mean, like DJ, he makes endorsements out the wazoo and he's won. How many PJ tour tournaments? 20. He's got his major. He's hitting world number one. He's getting a little older, you know, and he's always had a type of personality that it just rolls off his back. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a good from perspective. You worry about the hangover tournament, the tournament. I think it just doesn't matter with him. Right. Uh, so I think for DraftKings this week, he's totally fine. Okay. And then uh, I think we're both fading Rory here, right above in the 10 K range. Yeah. I mean, it just, the, the struggles with the irons continue, didn't putt very well. I mean, when Rory's hot, it's when his wedges are good and he's rolling in putts. There's just, there's not a lot looking at his recent form that suggests yeah. an explosions coming. I mean, if, if he's going to be so low owned and he is Rory McIlroy at the end of the day, if you want to throw him in a GPP, you can do that just because it's a little bit contrarian. You never know. Maybe he does find something. He has good history at TBC Boston, but I think in a cash uh, game, I think you're crazy to use him just because there's so many ways to build a good and safe lineup to double your money that using Rory, I, I don't see any upside in doing that in that format. Yeah, and I, I fade uh, Northern Irishman anyway, especially in Boston. That's an Irish Catholic town, sir. The um, uh, um, and as far as uh, I mean, it is kind of scary to fade Rory, but I don't know. Like, uh, it just doesn't seem he doesn't seem like he has it anymore. Um, but uh, before we get to uh, the next uh, the next range here, uh, look, it's summertime, and at my bookie, uh, that can only mean one thing: it's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, Survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. Uh, it's simple. Make your picks, wing big, and collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of futures vets, and you, or you can bet in games in real time with my bookies live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code SGP and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you already bet. Thousands of cross-sports wages. 
props and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with your best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. All right. So the next round, 9,000 to 9,900 range. I mean, who, uh, I mean, who do you, so me personally, like this is my least favorite range. Like it, it's hard for me to kind of make a decision in here. So I'll let you go first and maybe you can push me one way or another, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, I'm starting to believe a little bit in uh, in stats versus uh, gut. So, uh, so why don't you why don't you go ahead and, uh, and give me give me your favorite play out of here? My favorite play? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, the problem is there, there's a lot of guys I like in this tier. Okay. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, and I know he's popular, and I've hated this guy for so long. I I don't see any red flags of Jason Day, other than the fact that he I I am so terrified he is going to revert back. Like like I I I'm afraid I'm going to be Denny Green on Sunday, and he is who I thought he was. <laughs> right. And but I I just I can't. The guy continues to play awesome golf ever since he made the life change of getting rid of his caddy and his swing coach. I mean, he's over his last four tournaments, he's gained 1.2 strokes with the ball striking 1.4 on and around the greens. And again, it's not even like he's gaining a ton of strokes putting it is. So there's room for progression up and he has a really good history. TPC Boston. He is insanely popular this week, but I just, I can't find a good reason other than that to get away from him. No, nah, man, he's good chalk. I mean, He's the only one I have stat here. Like I, like I love, I love day this week, but the problem, like you said, he's super chalky and, but I mean, Christ, I mean, how many top tens in a row has he had? I think it's at least four, five, four, right? Five. Like, I mean, he's, he's on it. The thing that scares me about him is like, he's one, he's super chalky and I hate getting on super chalky players, but him bending over for a golf ball, all of a sudden his vertigo kicks in and it's just PTSD for me having him in those tournaments where he's had to withdraw. It's just like Louis stays in for me. Like I have PTSD from this guy. Like all I, I wake up to check my lineup and it, whatever they teed off at six and I'm up till seven and he withdrew at five 58 in the morning. I'm like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> um, but I mean, I loved, I love day this week. I really, I mean, I, I liked Reed, right? Uh, we liked them both last week. I mean, there's no reason not to like Reed except that uh, I kind of, so like I said, like I do more GPP. I don't do any cash in golf, right? Uh, just a straight degenerate, only GPP. And when the industry and everybody starts jumping on people, it's like, I feel like I have to pivot and be contrarian off of them. Uh, I mean, is there really a reason like in your, in your opinion, like up top anyway, can we eat the chalk up top and then maybe you know, diversify down bottom. And that's where we can get our leverage from and try not to ignore like what we think of the good place. Yeah. I mean, I think with this tier, there's definitely a lot of chalk. I mean, it's Xander, Jason day and Patrick Reed, I think are going to be very popularly owned and all for good reason too. Um, with Patrick Reed, he's getting hot right now. The irons are starting to come around and again, like he's putting up good putting numbers, but for him, they're about on par. So again, I don't really see a whole lot of red flags other than the fact he's popular. Um, Xander is just, he's going to be super popular again, like always playing great. He's gaining over a stroke with his ball striking and on and around the greens. The only concern I have about Xander and it's because I'm just so sensitive about iron play. The last two tournaments, he hasn't struck the ball very well as irons. Um, now I've seen in his recent form, he can have big weeks. So I know he's kind of close, but if I see, if I think of someone of the chalky plays between Xander, Jason day and Patrick Reed is going to bust. It's probably going to be Xander just because of 
you know, the irons haven't been very good. And if you're have very loose ball striking with them this week, I mean, you're kind of going to be, you know, SOL. Yeah. And so you're a stat nerd. So talk to me about uh, Cantlay. You uh, like he's, he's like the perfect stat guy, but he never does anything. Right. Like, so. well, yeah, well lately he hasn't. And it's, it's the reason he's put himself in such big holes to start tournaments. And I think that's why maybe this week we start to see his ownership come down because he was super popular in Memphis and he was almost dead last begin the first round. He kind of, he came back over the weekend to give everybody some hope for the PJ championship bombed out immediately again, rallied over the weekend, mm-hmm. but then he had a bad Sunday. I think a lot of people have some you know, poor taste in their mouth. Now the thing with him is the ball striking is fine. You know, he's gained about 0.9 strokes with his ball striking over the last four tournaments. That's pretty good. He's not putting very well. I just, I have a hard time thinking that a guy this good is going to be this mediocre. Now, I don't know how much I really want to use him in DraftKings. I'm personally more on him from the perspective of, you know, I'm looking at his top 20 price for betting. I think yeah. he can achieve that. I think that's pretty reasonable. But, you know, for DraftKings, you know, you can use him in a GPP just because he's sandwiched between Patrick Reed, who's going to be very popular, and Jason Day is going to be very popular. Yeah. So, but again, in like a cash play, eh, I, I, I probably just in case things are still really squirrely on and around the greens, I probably would stay away. And I'm imagining us and everybody else is fading the same person in this range, which I'm sure means Brooks is going to come out and uh, play well somehow this week, uh, regardless, right? You're fading Brooks in this range. I, I, it, it pains me to say it, but I mean, the guy he's, this is now a seventh tournament in a row and he's clearly not healthy. And it just, I, I think he's, he's pressing to make East Lake and, and like, it's a big event. I think he wants to get there because, you know, there's been stories banter around that really the reason why he plays well in all these big tournaments is because he wrote, he loves money. Yeah. Who doesn't like love money? But I mean, what do you mean? Like, of course, like the, anybody who can get into this can go on a run. Like, so uh, we probably should have done this at the beginning. Uh, maybe we can explain a little bit more of the PGA playoffs next week uh, and how it works as far as it. But I think like you win one tournament and it's worth like 2000 points or something crazy. So you can like, if you win a tournament, you're one of these three events, you're up in the top five, almost guaranteed. Right. Yeah, I think the points are tripled for the winner. I mean, honestly, <laughs> listen, I'm I'm a stack guy. I don't even understand how the point system works sometimes. <laughs> like, like they show like like they'll show at like the Desert Classic in February the projected FedEx Cup points, and I'm like, this is meaningless to me. I don't <laughs> understand what any of this means. <laughs> like, like it, like they like the problem with the broadcast is like. Those, they don't do a good job showing like what a putt means to this guy's FedEx Cup standings. It just, oh, this is his standings. I'm like, okay, how many points spots is he gonna move up like with this point system? I just I I don't know. Not only that, dude, like how awesome would it be if we were watching on Sunday, right? Talking about how like broadcasters now starting to bring on these awful talking heads who don't know shit about gambling, right? And they all try to they try to talk about it in every sport. Not I mean, I don't even think they've talked about it too much in golf, but can you imagine on Sunday watching whatever? And you know, you got, uh, you got Patrick Reed coming up to make a putt and on 18. It says, if he misses this putt, he loses $90,000. Like that is like must see TV. Like you're into that putt. You're like, Oh shit. If he makes this putt, it's worth 90 grand. You know what I mean? See, it puts perspective on it. Yeah. I mean that that's great. But what they instead do is kind of like when they have like CNN with the election, they show like the election board and they do like, all right, this is this scenario. Like this is how many votes he can get. They have this big board and they're like, okay, if he like moves X spots, he'll move up in the stands. I'm like, I don't really care right now about that. Can you just show me live golf? 
I don't yeah, want to see this. I don't want to see the big board of like you know Steve Sands just moving guys up and down on leaderboard. Yeah, and then and then seeing whoever the chairman is come out and talk for 15 minutes and just watching the same guys over and over again. Like golf could really like they really should have capitalized on this over COVID. Like with everybody gambling on it, people who didn't even gamble on golf prior to this were into it and were watching golf. Like they could have they could have capitalized on it and fixed their live coverage and but whatever that's a that's a different podcast for a different time. All right, so we're both we're both fading uh Brooks. Uh I like I like Day and that's pretty much the only one. I like Reed too, but he's too chalky for me for a GPP and uh you're on you're on Day and fading Brooks. Can I can I make one yeah, can I make a point about Webb before yeah, we leave? Yeah, because I mean, I, I I think some people. I mean, he played well last week, and we were on this podcast, and I was critical of the price point. Yeah. And I I like Webb around the nine thousand dollar range. I I mean, I I think very highly of him. I think he's a really good player. This is a little more price appropriate for him where I would want to use him. He. I mean, the way he played last week, he finished third, but it wasn't like he gained a ton of strokes putting. He actually had a pretty good balance between ball striking and putting. The one thing I want to point out, and this is for all you grass specialists out there. So since the restart, I want to talk about his strokes gained putting on different putting surfaces. You ready? Ready. So on Bermuda greens, since the restart, he has gained one stroke per round on Bermuda on bent grass and POA. It's only 0.04. Now, whether that's random, whether that's real, I don't really know. But for anybody who's maybe looking to break ties, that's not a very good stat this week because it's bent grass greens at TBC Boston. And he's a short knocker, right? I mean, in reality, like if he does that well on like Pete Dye courses, but like you said, this one doesn't have, you know, the water and the the shorter. You still have to be somewhat long, right? And I mean, he's not very long, right? So I, I'm fine with Faden Webb, especially with that. Good lord, I mean, that's a huge difference. It, it, it is. I mean, per round. It, it's a small sample size, but if you're looking at recent forms, you can care about your grass type. Listen, I don't need yeah. much to sway me to bet one guy or another, man. That's good enough for me. <laughs> the, the, um, um, all right. So we got a big range in the eight to eight to 9,000 range. Um, I mean, I just like last week, you know, kind of feel like this is where you're going to win or lose money. Right, like this is where you got to figure out who is doing what, and you know uh, what the best plays are. And of course, we have some of the chalkiest players in there. We're gonna have Fina. We're gonna have Woods. We're gonna have Stat God Matsuyama. Uh, I mean, there's so many plays in here. Uh, I guess. I mean, give me your give me your two favorite, and tell me who you're fading, and and maybe somebody who who you don't, who's not your top two, but that you're you're thinking about playing. Well, I mean, I think right at the top, the two shock is plays. I mean, it's, if you look at it as a stack guy, you look at their numbers and it's hard to get away from it. It's, it's Daniel Berger and Tony Finau. I mean, the ball striking numbers are great. This is a ball strikers golf course. Berger has had great balance all season long between strokes game, ball striking and on around the greens. And I think that's why he's been so consistent is that if he has a little bit of deficiency in one area, he's been able to make it up in so many other areas of the game to keep him up on the leaderboard. And I mean, like, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit of this last week with Harris English of like, oh, well, you know, he's just Harris English. Like, can he really win a tournament? But, and I think sometimes we get a little bit with that with Daniel Berger, but you know, the reason why he kind of fell off the radar was he hurt his wrist. And if you hurt your wrist in golf, that is so, so like, that's such a bad injury. Yeah. Bad. I mean, fuck, think about JT. Was that two years ago when he hit it off the tree and he wasn't right for the rest of the season? Well, that was, that was actually last year. Was it last and year? Then, oh, yeah. 2020 actually, so long, he, bro. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't play in the PGA. He was kind of anonymous right. all summer. And then towards the end, he started to feel a little better. And then he won, I think 
I think he won the BMW yeah. last year. And that's when he started to feel great. So Berger hit his, hurt his wrist. And before that, I mean, he was in the final grouping at Shinnecock Hills, you know, in the U S open, he won a couple of tournaments. He, I think he finished top 10, in the masters one year. Like he was looking like the next, he was in that group of like the next young American stars fell off the radar. Now he's healthy. And it's not just recently since the restart. I mean, he won a colonial, so he shows he can yeah. do it, but really all season long, he's been really good. So he's so solid. I, I don't know. It's just weird to be like, yeah, Daniel Berger. Maybe it's just his name. <laughs> you know, it's like, eh, I don't believe he could be good. I don't know. Yeah. It's a very boring <laughs> name. And then, and then for Tony Fino, I mean, like this was a guy I really liked the PGA. He, you know, he proved it didn't win, but again, I mean, if you had him in a lineup, even though he was chalky, he helped you tremendously. I mean, his ball striking was great. The whole tournament, he actually didn't have that great of a putting week either. So there's some upward mobility there. Um, I mean, it's, I, if you're going to use them though, in a GPP, you definitely have to make sure you have some other contrarian plays, but if you're going to eat some chalk, I don't think there's two better guys in the field this week than eating those two. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and that's the thing with, so burger for me is a mystery. Like uh, you, you hit on all the points like phenom for me though. is like, man, I just get gun shy around that dude. Like he gets so close and like people break his balls about not being able to close. But I'm like, listen, man, it's fucking golf's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a hard spot. Like it's not necessarily, and he lost one where somebody just took it away from him. He didn't even lose it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's common for him. Uh, and then, uh, so I like Tony at 8,800 is, I don't care how chalky he is. Like you said, he's not going to hurt your DK lineup for the most part, unless he completely implodes, but this seems like a golf course. that's very well designed for him. His putting's coming along, right? I mean, his putting looks mm-hmm. a lot better than it used to. Um, but I mean, this is such a crazy range. You get tiger. Like, what do you think tag is going to come in at? Typically, you know, he's, Gonna be so popular, dude. He's eighty seven hundred dollars. Tiger Wood is eighty seven hundred dollars, and he's projected at like around ten percent. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Tiger? Well, I mean, when I went on the Sports Gambling Podcast a couple of weeks ago, I was all out on Tiger, and I was pretty much right on it. I, I said he probably wouldn't be inside the top forty. I think he finished like thirty fifth on the week, just because he had a good Sunday. But overall, it just that was not a good week. But no. You know, I, I'm a little more optimistic about Tiger, and I'm going to try and make the case of using Tiger in a GPP. So let's be positive and have some good news. Well, the good news is that TPC Boston, it really rewards good iron play. And though Tiger has only played two tournaments since the restart, that's been the best part of his game. He's gained a stroke per round with his iron. So already right off the back, the most important characteristic I'm looking for this week, he has it. Let's bring some more good news. Greens are a little faster than average on the PJ tour. Typically tiger puts a little better on faster greens. He complained at TBC Harding park about he was having trouble getting good read on the green speeds. They look fast, but they played slow. I mean, he probably should have known it's a municipal course. They're going to play slow and it's, you know, bent grass and POA Typically, Those aren't really the fastest surfaces, but um, you know, his putting a lot of his fans are really railing that and screaming that the putting has been good. Hasn't really been that bad. I think they're just, you know, being a little spoiled about, you know, what they're used to seeing out of him. They're like, so, the, they're like the Patriots fans of golf. Yeah. Pr- <laughs> or, you know, what? actually maybe the, maybe like Cowboys fans, like they're not as good as what he used to, you know, used to be with right. them, but they have such fond memories when they were a kid. Right. So yeah, that, that's good. I like that yeah. one. That's a good so, one. So yeah. So good news, faster putting services might be able to pick up a little bit there. Uh, good news. It's going to be great weather for tiger. It's going to be warm. It's going to be in the eighties going to be sunny. I mean, that back is going to be feeling pretty loose. Like I, I had big concerns all week about how 
he was going to get up in the cold, damp San Francisco weather and get warmed up. And he looked kind of stiff. Like he, he lumbered around. He was slow playing. Like it, it, like it wasn't enjoyable watching tiger. You just didn't seem like there was any fire. And I think, you know, he'll probably be feeling pretty a little bit better in this weather this week. Um, and he's going to be low owned, like even for tiger standards. Like I, I think a lot of his fans are just kind of resigned. Like, I think they just want him to get to the U S open th- at this point. Um, so I actually see a lot of positive things with tiger. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's not overly daunting off the tee. It's right. not a long course. The rough isn't very punishing where I'm going to worry. Like he's got to hack out of the rough and maybe feel like a jolt up his arm. Right. So, I mean, I, I can see a path where, I mean, I don't have huge expectations, but do I see top 20 upside with him? Yeah. I mean, just because he's, he's such a good iron player. And I think there's, there's a lot of reasons to think that maybe he can, you know, feel good and maybe put up a couple of little rounds to kind of get in the mix a little bit and, and actually, and, and not do damage to a DFS lineup like he did last tournament. Yeah, I agree with that. So let me ask you something. So I, I can't remember where I saw this thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you have this. So it looks like when Tiger plays in the morning, his putting is like a stroke to a stroke and a half different. So as far as like, do do you see anything on that? I mean, I don't specifically track round by round or like based on like when tea times are, but I'm trying. So what's the stat? So is he, is he better AM putting versus PM putting? I can't remember where the hell it is. And I I tried to refine it on Twitter before this and I couldn't find it, but it was like three or four weeks ago, his AM putting stats. It's like a, it's like a stroke to a stroke and a half difference between that in the negative. Like, so he puts way worse in the morning than he does in the afternoon. So as far as like maybe showdown lineups go, like maybe take a look at the tee times and, and see where it's at. Like, do you think it's as far as do you think it's just because he's old and his back stiff as shit and it's hard to get going at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., whatever time his tea time is? I mean, that might be. He's made comments of the fact that, like, sometimes he just can't putt because his back isn't feeling well. So if his back's kind of still hasn't really activated in the morning, um, that could make it a little tough feeling comfortable over putts. It might also be the fact that, like, there might be a little bit more moisture in the greens in the morning. So the greens are a little slower. So maybe that messes a little bit with his green speeds. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, like, I still know if you had any nuggets on that. I saw that random fact and figured uh, I'd see if uh, see if you had anything on it. Um, all right, so we spent a lot of time on Fina Woods Burger. Um, you know, the Matsuyama, like that dude was uh, the stat nerd god forever. Like a uh, perfect tee to green. Like guy should have won every tournament based on the stats, but he couldn't putt. You know, unfortunately, I think the guy that we wanted Hideki Matsuyama would always be. He ended up being Kala Morikawa. You know, this ball striking god that we were just praying, like if he can just putt. Like yeah. one week, he's going to win all these tournaments. And I, I really think Hideki got so messed up losing that 2017 PGA. He had the lead on the back nine and I, I'm not, I, I can't remember. Was he, he might've been paired with JT, yeah. I think in that final group. And he just saw JT just take it away from him. And ever since then, Ain't I mean, right. he's another. Yeah, he's an our guy. He he battled wrist injuries too. So that kind of stabbed him a little bit. I mean, honestly, like lately, his ball striking, like, even though he's known as a stack god, it's hasn't really been that good. Um, he is just kinda on a meh for me. Right, yeah. I got you. All right. So, you know, uh, I'm fading uh, Casey and Fleetwood because I hate English people. Uh, and um, I mean, other than that, what do you think about I mean the young guns, Hovland's the highest of of between him and 
we'll, we'll get to Wolf, I guess. Do you like Hovland at all? I mean, anybody else below uh, Matsuyama that you like to play? Like, I'm definitely, I am definitely flating Fleet, Fleet, Fleetwood. He is, he just, died. he looks lost. And, and, yeah, I just don't like Casey. Yeah, I mean, Fleetwood and Rose are both two guys that it seems like they're, they're in like a league Rose. canoe right now. Where I know you were big on him last week. That, I, let's let's not say out. big. I had him. I had 33% exposure and I took a, <laughs> a small piece uh, outright. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, they, they seem like they're in a leaky canoe right now. Like, like if you look at their, their tournaments as they've gone on, like they'll usually have something really positive happen in a tournament, like whether they drive the ball really well or they putt really well, or they're like, they have their irons. The problem is they are so bad in some other areas and then they go and fix it the next tournament. And then it like something else that they were good at the previous week is now bad. It's like they're in a leaky canoe. They're trying to plug the holes, you know, and then water comes out the other way. That's, and then, that's, re- that's really what their games are right now. And I just like, I, 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 I don't see a whole lot of hope with them, especially Fleetwood. That was really discouraging over the weekend. Like that final round Sunday, what was he four over? I think. Yeah. I, but that's so like, like we've talked about this in the Slack channel. I feel like this is what he's always been. He's a Thursday and Friday guy. And then he either has a terrible Saturday or, a, or a terrible Sunday. Like, that's just him. Yeah. I mean, that's just him. I, I like Hatton at eight grand. I forgot to mention him. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Hatton like eight grand. He's not going to kill you. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, dude makes birdies uh, pretty solid, right? Well, I think, I think with Hatton's it's interesting because he's been, he was at a point where, so early in the year, I really liked him. You know, I, I had him at 50 to one and win Bay Hill. He won me some money there, Ooh, but then nice. after that, but after that, like, like he played, he was playing at a really unsustainable rate, even for him. Like I, I like him as a player, but he wasn't playing. He's not nearly as good at what he was doing. And in response, he was way overpriced. Like he was 25 to one to win tournaments. He was near 10 grand in DraftKings. It was insane. It, I was like, who, who is this at 10 grand? Hold on. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was really crazy for a little bit, but now he's back down to eight grand. And one of the things that, um, you know, the past couple of weeks, he has been very good. You know, he kind of came crashing back down to Memphis. Didn't really do much of the FedEx there missed the cut last week, but there's some positives a game out of the PGA his missed cut. Um, so he gained two and a half strokes per round with his ball striking plus 2.5 with his putting. So, you know, me loves my ball strikers who putt really bad the previous week. I'm going to go back to him this week. Um, I think just because of the fact that he's been so bad the last two tournaments, maybe the sense a little off him. He's also grouped around some guys who are pretty popular in the upper $7,000 range. Um, he might be someone that might be a good GPP play just because I have a little bit of faith. He can play well. Um, and he might not be very highly owned. And then the last guy I want to talk about is Victor Hovland, just because, I mean, he's so talented and he's just such a good ball striker. And for this golf course, I mean, like he can be really good with it. And he's actually really improved on his scrambling and putting just the past couple of tournaments, ever since the work day, uh, where he had that close call, he's been kind of bad with all of it. But, um, I think that's someone, if he can kind of find a little form, get back to, um, how he was doing, um, you know, in the early part of the restart, he's someone I, uh, really like this week. I think at 8,200 bucks. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he seems like, he, I mean, I like Hovland. I mean, all the, I mean, how crazy is it? Those three guys, Morikawa, Hovland, Wolf, they're all just, they're studs. It's like the next round of guys. I mean, I, I don't feel like he's going to kill your lineup, but it, he's shown be with the big dogs. You know what I mean? Like, 8,200. I don't think that's a bad play at all. Um, mm. All right, man. I mean, the next, the next range is gigantic, right? And so this is where you said you're going to have a lot, lot of, um, 
a lot of real popular players at the upper 7,000s. above to start. All right. Well, I mean, I think if, it, you know, as a guy who loves great ball striking and to fade, you know, either bad putting or good putting the other way. And I know he's going to be popular, but Matthew Wolf is someone I really love this week just because uh, I, I think he's kind of finally catching up to figuring out how he can be a very consistent golfer in the PGA tour, because he was very boom bust when he first started, you know, he won the 3M open followed up with a couple of missed cuts. Then he have like a random top 20. Um, and I think it's just because, you know, I, I think you just, he was so young and I think he just hadn't figured out, but in this restart, you know, he played really well at the rocket mortgage classic. You know, he lost to Bryson there played extremely well at the PGA. His ball striking numbers have been really off the charts and he didn't even putt very well at the PGA. Now he's normally not a very good putter, but what comforts me with him and think why I think he has a very high ceiling is I've at least seen him put up winning upside putting at least in recent form. He gained six strokes putting at, at the rocket mortgage classic. So you like how, like a column Morikawa, he's someone that strikes me as a very streaky putter. And if you can catch lightning in a bottle, I mean like a 7,900 bucks, I think he has winning upside this week. Uh, that's how much I really like him. So I know he's going to be popular, but I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hell of an endorsement though. I mean, 7,900 to win in this field. I mean, I like it. Uh, mm. I like that. Yeah, I mean his swing is uh his swing is his. I love watching him play. The uh <laughs> so my guy right around that is Woodland and I have no particular reason why so I need you to tell me why. Here's why I like him. So Boston Sports Radio uh was talking about a guy who was at the Encore Boston uh on Monday, a golfer uh who got hot at the tables and left a six that came out that uh, or talked about that. It was Gary Woodland. So if you put that kind of good karma into the world, especially <laughs> in the gambling world, I mean, I mean, Gary like, Woodland's just, it's yeah. gotta come back to him. Right. A little yeah. bit back. I mean, I mean, Woodland is, he's one of the good guys in golf anyways. Like he does a lot of charity work. I think, you know, he, uh, he did some work. I think at the Phoenix open with, um, I forget, it, it was a kid, I think with down syndrome, and then he won the U S open. They brought her on the today show. Like, I mean, he's, he's a great guy. Um, I, and I really like Gary Woodland as a player, like when he's at his peak, the problem right now is it just, it's kind of like with Hideki. It's just, it's uninspired right now. Um, you know, he's lost strokes with his approach play his last two tournaments. Um, I've seen him have massive weeks with his irons in recent form, but just coming in this week, it's, it hasn't really been that great. Ever since the restart, he's really struggled off a tee, which is surprising because historically you consider him like a bomber, like he hits a really straight. He's one of the better drivers in the PJ Tour when he's really on. He made a driver change around the memorial, um, and it hasn't really worked out for him either. And a lot of his good results early on the restart was with his putting, and that's kind of faded away too. So I mean, I'm not openly fading Gary Woodland. I don't oppose him because I think he's a great player. And it could come back in any time. It's just there's a lot of other guys in that mid to seven thousand dollar range. I'm just more in love with, and he just he's left on the cutting room floor for me. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I literally, like I said, I had no reason to bet him other than 
Uh, I mean, I feel like that's good karma, man. Six figure tip to some random blackjack dealer. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's good stuff. Who else do you, I mean, are you back on the Siwoo train? Like after Sunday, like you said, it really was only one or two bad shots that took him out of the contention. And he still what, finished third, fourth, whatever it was. Like, I mean, his irons are ridiculous. He was hitting everything within 14 inches on Saturday. Uh, I mean, at any point that can go away. I mean, do you think he still got it? When, when does it, when does it end? Well, the party will end eventually just because it's Sewell Kim. This is what he's been doing. He's, he's incredibly hot and cold. Um, I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I'm going to be late to the party here, but um, I mean, I just, I'm a slave to stats at the end of the day and I'm looking at all the strokes gain numbers, both with ball striking on and around the greens. And considering this is a ball strikers course, great iron play is going to be rewarded here. It's hard for me to say no to him. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to bounce back this week. I don't think he's going to let, um, what happened last week kind of like, you know, ruin his hot streak. Um, you know, he had a pretty good putting week last week too, but it's not really completely outrageous. I think he can have, I mean, until the gravy train ends, I think he kind of got to just ride this, you know, while it lasts. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm down with that. I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, you see, uh, everybody about, um, a bunch of people about him at four last week. He's a hundred. Uh, his price is depressed this week. And now he's going to have less than 10% ownership when he was right there on Sunday. Like mm-hmm. why are you getting off him this week? It makes no sense. Like uh, it, it seems like it seems like everybody would go to him, but nobody's on him. Ownership um, in the seven K range. We got Billy Ho, who we talked about. And then uh, the boy, we were a hundred percent wrong about Sunday. Is he back? Well, I mean, if you listen to all the podcasts this week, they're uh, they're coronating him and saying he's back. And if you if you dig into the stats, I mean, listen, he played great, and it came out of nowhere. Uh, he gained one point seven strokes with his ball striking last week, gained point six seven uh, with his putting. I mean, that would indicate the dude's back, just because, like we said last week, like he's not elite in every area, but he's good in almost all areas. And when you see like solid ball striking numbers and solid putting numbers. That's usually the Sanjay, you know, where we're used to him. But there are so many people this week that are saying, oh, Sanjay is completely mispriced. You have to play him. And it is just one tournament. And I mean, I I haven't really dug into the stats all, you know, that closely, which is surprising. I'm a stats guy. But it, it, when I think of Sanjay, I think of most of his great performances on Bermuda golf courses. And this is bent grass. So I, th- I think I need to see one more uh, good tournament on him before I'm willing to say he's back. And I think it's just because like, if there wasn't a lot of good options in the $7,000 range, I could see myself going there, but there's so many guys I like in this range, both popular and not, and not popular that I think I'm just gonna, I'm going to wait and see. And I'd rather be late on the party with him than early. Yeah. I mean, look, I, kind of makes sense. It was, it was funny. Like as soon as we were both on him and we saw him come out, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Like he finally comes back and we said he had to put everything together to be back. And he literally put everything together. It was quite irritating to watch. Um, so, uh, name it up. Who, who do you like? That's unpopular in this range. Well, I think somebody who's not getting a whole lot of play and he, he got a little run on the covers last week. I played, think he played pretty well on Friday, uh, but he's starting to show some signs 
like he did last summer before he won the open championship. And that's Shane Lowry. Like his iron play right now is getting really hot over the last four tournaments. He's gained about 0.8 strokes per round with his approach play. Uh, he putted pretty well last week too. Um, you know, he's someone where like he's won big tournaments around the globe. He's won in big fields. Uh, and, and like, I kind of think about TPC Boston and I kind of think, you know, a guy like Shane Lowry, like the type of player he is, I can see him towards the top of the leaderboard. And was he 7,500 bucks this week? I think yeah. he's going to kind of get lost a little bit in this, you know, wave of really popular guys in the mid to high seven thousands that he might just get overlooked. Yeah, especially because of the coverage on Sunday. I mean, he was kind of choking in it, and like he almost didn't make it into the top 125. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's what they were talking about. He needed help on the back end, and he got it, so he's in. But what everybody watched, like your casual person, like, oh man, he's kind of choking it away. Like, he's not going to get in. He might be one of these people that people don't even know he's in the field because they might've thought he <laughs> didn't get in. Um, and then of course uh, we got Spieth and Ricky, the two popular guys. I don't want anything to do with either one of them. Uh, I just, I just can't like Spieth made the cut uh, miraculously. Uh, and then he just, he's just garbage on the weekend, man. And, and Ricky is just the unfulfilled promise that like, you just, I just can't go back to anymore. Yeah. I mean, at least with Ricky, it's he's now he's in like, I think, caliber players that I think he's basically like, like he's with your Kisners. He's with your Horschels. Like, like now it's justified where he is. And honestly, I mean, the play hasn't been, I know I've railed on him a lot on this podcast and in my columns, it hasn't been as bad as what I've really been saying is he's, he's still gained over a stroke per round on the field over everybody. But it's just like, I don't really see a whole lot to be inspired with him about I mean, if, if you think maybe he can play well this week, cause he is a former winner, TBC Boston. Uh, if you want to throw him in a GPP, just to be contrarian and he probably will have low ownership, just given all the players around him. I mean, I could buy that, but he's probably going to be far away from anything I do this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm out. And then uh speed, like, like we've talked about, we feel bad for the guy. Uh, I mean, you can clearly see he's just not there. He's still struggling to find it. And uh, no, there's no reason to have him in there. Uh, my buddy Tommy is absolutely in love with this dude. He starts his lineup every week with fucking JT and Spieth and goes from there. And and I make fun of him for it. And then he makes fun of me because I always have DJ uh, and I was until this week. Have it. DJ and Brooks were always in my lineup. Like that's it. Like like that's how I'm starting one of my lineups. Uh, I just can't. I can't do Spieth, man. Like it's it's sad to watch. And he just doesn't have it. And I need to see it. Uh, more than making the cut and then falling apart on the weekend. Like he needs to be in contention again before I think about playing him in betting or, or DFS. Yeah. I mean, until he figures out whatever mental demons are going on, I mean, it just, I mean, the, the one encouraging thing is the iron play has been better, but just he's so bad off the tee and he's not even putting that well either right now in order to make up for it. That everything's, just, everything's a chip in. That's the only way he's, he's hanging in. He's chipping right. out of a bunker or chipping from 70 feet away. And it somehow goes in. That's the only part of his game. That's right. Right now. That's it. Yeah. And he gave some quotes. I think after the Wyndham's he, it was basically, I don't know the exact quote, but it was basically the fact of like, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in my game right now. You just, I, he's always been kind of honest with the media as far as like how he's feeling. He wears his heart on his, you know, his sleeve there, but that's never a good thing to hear from a guy. And especially just how much he's, you see him on the range and just really down on myself. Like, like that when watching PGA tour live last week, he just looked miserable the whole time. It's so defeated. Yeah. Just dejected. That's the, that's, that's, that's why I texted my body. I was like, dude, he's just dejected out there, man. He looks like it's just, doesn't, 
especially since golf is such a mental game. Like until he gets that, like he needs a, a team of sports psychiatrists, like not just one. He needs like multiple. He needs to see him twice a day because he's such a talented player. He, I mean, get your shit right, man. Like you're there, you have the talent, just get in, get out from in between your ears. I mean, that's it. Um, but uh, before we dive into uh, the six K range, which we might or may not have to dive into this week based on the soft pricing. Uh, look, the regular season's fun and all, but look, only one thing can compare to the excitement of the playoffs. And that's DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports, both basketball and hockey have entered their respective playoffs and DraftKings is putting you in the center of all the action with millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. There's no better place than make it rain. Start playing for free with your first deposit today. If you haven't tried it yet, daily sports are easy to play shit. I do it. It's that easy. Uh, just draft your own players. Stay under the salary cap, pile up the points based on your players performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars of prizes throughout the week. Uh, but look, if daily fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings also just launched their best ball contest for football season. If you aren't familiar with best ball, simply head over to the app now and check it out. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code SGP to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up this week. And that's promo code SGP to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long, only at DraftKings. Minimum five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See please see DraftKings.com for details. All right. Uh dumpster dive in time. Seven K and under. Who do we like? Do you like anybody? I'm sorry. I have my mute on. I, uh, I I put the mute on while you do the commercial read. So we, we get we make sure the ads are properly focused. That's so right. Thank you for That's telling right. me. Uh, we're we're still learning on the fly. Ideas, That's right. right. That's a learning curve, baby. We're doing all right. Uh, I can barely anyway. read, and I'm doing the ad reads. Right. <laughs> anyway, so guys, I like under seven thousand dollars. So there's actually a lot of guys under seven thousand. I actually like this week just because there's a lot of really strong ball strikers, at least in recent form here. That I think, like, if you end up going big on like, you know, Bryson or JT up at the top of your lineup, you know, there's definitely some guys in this range that you can kind of get away and kind of sneak in there and actually have some good upside. Um, you know, a guy we liked a lot last week and he played great Sam Burns, Mr. Eagle, Mr. Eagle. Um, yep. Continue to have really good ball striking numbers. And he's been really good on and around the greens too. I like him again this week. Uh, Brendan Steele. He's been playing really great in the restart. He finished six of the travelers. He finished, played great at the Memorial just missed out on a top 20 at the PGA really good ball striker. Uh, he's a guy I like again, too. Uh, Lanzo Griffin, um, his iron play has been really good. He's kind of a, he's a bomb and gouger. So if you like, if you really are big into guys who are big hitters this week, he's definitely the guy for you. Um, he lost strokes putting at the PGA. So he might be someone who bounces back. Um, one couple guys I want to point to that kind of surprised me as far as how well they're playing just because they, they got off my radar for a while. Um, Denny McCarthy. So he's typically, you know, known as a really bad ball striker, but a really good putter. Like he'll gain over a stroke putting. I think he actually leads the PGA tour in putting this year. He does. But his, and then Sunday his, happened. Yeah. Yeah. And Sunday happened, but the, his ball striking is just really, really, really bad. Right. But he's actually gained strokes with his irons in his last three tournaments, something I don't think I've seen him do. Um, and if he can match that, if it, like he's really striking the ball well again, like he has good upside to have over a stroke per round putting that can at least, you know, kind of catch fire. And then, yeah, because, la cause last week, I mean, that had to be his worst putting performance, like of all time. Oh yeah. I mean, like, it had to like, be. 
Like <laughs> when I consistently update my spreadsheets, I see like, oh, he gained six strokes putting this week and he lost yeah. seven ball striking. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Typical Denny McCarthy. Ha 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 ha. Right. But um and another guy who I mean, he went, he got really bad because he made a, uh, a brand change. He took a big fat check from PXG and who, you know, I think it's kind of the running jokes is that anybody who goes to PXG is where the careers die. And that's why you're seeing Billy Horschel play well right now because he actually left PXG. Um, but Zach Johnson's playing some really good golf right now. And I know that he's a shorter hitter and you don't like shorter hitters this week, right. but again, he said that he likes the golf course because a lot of these holes, he doesn't feel like he's in a five iron or four iron, you know, into these greens, he's in a higher loft of wedge. And that's really been the better bread and butter's game. His iron plays from really good since the restart. Um, he has a pretty good balance of between strokes, gain ball striking and on and around the greens he has a pretty good history of TBC Boston. I kind of like him this week and he's pretty cheap. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is. So, uh, so I'm with you. I love Burns again, uh, especially like like you said, he's a bomb and gouge type guy. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, look, he just scores for DraftKings purposes, maybe not betting purposes, but guys who can make eagles, guys who can make birdies, those are the guys who you want in your lineup, especially especially cut makers, because you don't really expect Burns to win this tournament. If you're going to have a a T 40 guy or a T 50 guy, you at least want to make in birdies and Eagles. It doesn't matter how many bogeys they make. It's going to make up for it on that end of it. Uh, but I, I, look, we talked about, we, I made a bet against him with uh, Jonathan Vegas last week. Did not work out so well. Cam Davis, 6,300 man. I mean, he's been really consistent. 6,300 His iron play has been good. Uh, it allows you to go, uh, you know, DJ and, and Bryson, right. You throw another six K in there. My DJ special for later, uh, will also be in this, um, but, uh, dude, it can be Cam Davis at six, 300 love Kevin. Nah, uh, I was listening to somebody the, uh, uh, this morning, uh, and they were talking about, uh, you know, he was just saving his back for, for the run for the money and all the majors coming up. And I was like, that makes sense. And if you look at the the caliber of golfer that are around him, not nah, stands out. I mean, that dude is, that dude's a solid golfer. He's a good golfer. He can go out and he can shoot low. Um, so I love those two. Uh, and uh, I also love my D gen special. I'll save him for uh, the end for the betting. And, uh, but uh, we'll talk about him at DraftKings at that point as well. All right. Sounds great. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess that, that wraps it up, I guess. So, uh, like I said, at the jump, uh, we'll go through, uh, uh, we'll give a couple GPP plays. Uh, I'll let you give cash plays. Cause like I said, I don't pay cash in golf. Um, so I'll be no help to anybody with that. Uh, so I guess g- give me your, uh, give me your, give me your, I guess five, six GPP plays four or five GPP plays that you really like to play. Well, I mean, starting GPP, I, th- I think some people, like, I, I know we had a pretty hot debate, uh, at the top of the show, but I think people are going to look at overall where the pricing is. And I think they're going to see the type of caliber players are in the $9,000 range, 10, low $10,000 range. I think they're going to try to maybe build a more deep lineup per se. So I think there's some opportunity in GPPs to you know, have like a Justin Thomas or a Bryson DeChambeau, no matter where you fall on it. Uh, I don't think their ownership is going to be like all that crazy. You know, it's, it's still going to be, I think maybe low to mid teens, which isn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's not all that crazy there. And I think you, there's enough the golfers that we talked about, especially in that $7,000 range. And even that $6,000 range where you can really make up the difference. So I, I mean, for me personally, I like Justin Thomas a lot this week. He's probably gonna be a GPP play. I, I like this week. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about him earlier um, in the $9,000 range. I mean, Webb Simpson, just because he's playing good right now. I think, I think he's a good fit for the golf course. You don't think so. 
you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but um, just because he's sandwiched between Jason day and Xander Shoffley, I think he could be a pretty nice pivot just because, you know, we also talked about the dangers of Jason day and Xander too. I mean, it could all end, you know, any tournament in, with them in an instant. And, and, and look, you're right. As far as like what we talked about with web, like as far as like a GPP pivot. Um, yeah. I mean, you're hundred yeah. percent right. Day is going to be so much more popular. So, is, so Xander uh, webs a great pivot for GPP. Yeah. And, and web has won here before. I think he won in right. 2011. So okay. he, I mean, he's proven he can win the golf course. So, right. um, you know, I, we, we mentioned him earlier. Um, I, I really like Terrell Hatton this week. I don't think his ownership is going to be that crazy. I think he's people, a lot of people got turned off to him for the last two tournaments. I like where his pricing is this week. I see a lot of upside just based on what I saw, you know, earlier in the season. Um, you know, I think he, what he, he mentioned after his win at the Turkish open, in the fall of 2019 that he had some off the course issues that was kind of plaguing him. And that's why I started to like him again, played really early in the season. I think he can rebound this week with a much better putting week from last week. And I think he can sustain the ball striking. Um, and then a guy I talked about that. I don't think he's going to be very popular, but in the mid $7,000 range, I like Shane Lowry. I think there's a lot of upside with him. I see a lot of similarities between what's happened last summer where he won finally won the open championship. And this year, I think he played very well on a golf course like this. Uh, and so those are my four guys in those price ranges. I like for GPP. No, nah, I mean, I like it. So uh, I'm going, I'm going DJ at 10, four. Like I said, I feel like ownership is going to go around him. People are going to be like, I can pay up a little bit uh, or pay down a little bit to get to Morikawa. I feel like he'll be, listen, uh, DJ at 10% ownership or less is to me like all day. I'm going to leverage the shit out of the field on that. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 50% exposed at least. Um, and then uh, I like, we didn't talk about him at all, but just for GPP pivots, Adam Scott, uh, uh, he's a type of guy who can come out and win without a lot of practice. He's 8,400. Nobody's going to be on him, And that's a guy who can get hot with the putter and go like, I mean, that's it. Like his irons, can I mean right? His irons are good, right? Talk talk to me. Good? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, he's <laughs> reassure he's me, Steve. Reassure me. <laughs> All right. So he is one. Of, he he still remains one of the best ball strikers in the world. Um, I mean, the only the only thing of him is like there's such a little sample size with him. I mean, he's. Do you know how many times he's played the entire 2020? How many tournaments do you think he's played in 2020? Four. Four. Play four tournaments. Yeah, I know. Now I know. he ran. He won one. <laughs> so that's a pretty good, you know, like percentage of win percent. Right. right. Uh, I mean, I just I don't feel comfortable just seeing, and especially what happened last week at the PJ Championship. His ball striking wasn't very good. He actually putted it, you know, know. you know, his butt off. I mean, that could probably that might end up evening out a little bit where he kind of has like a t like middling like. 25th finish, but I mean, I kind of like, it. I like it as a pivot play. Yeah, man. Pivot, pivot play. I mean, that's why it's GPP, right? We're not talking cash. And then, um, and so once again, Woodland for no reason other than he put good karma into the world and, and drop some blackjack deal, a, a six figure tip and uh, that he can turn it on any point. He's a great driver of the ball and hopefully it comes up. And then uh, I love Louie in events like this band who stays in uh, Usti. Uh, I do have PTSD from him from the drawing on me multiple times, but this is the type of tournament for me where uh, once again, look, it's DK, right? I mean, if you're going to get somebody who's going to, uh, you know, finish in 25th place, like at least make Eagles, at least make birdies, at least score. Right. And that's what Louie can do. Like he's going to double bogey you and you're going to be passed, but he's also going to make two fucking Eagles. Right. So mm -hmm. you're looking for scoring Louie and uh, people are terrified of him. And uh, like, this is the type of, for me, this is the type of feel. It's not even a course thing for me. Like these are the type of feels that he comes out and plays well in. 
So uh, those those are my GPPs. I don't have any cash. Uh, give everybody your cash plays, Steve, and uh, make sure they uh, make some money on their double ups. All right. Well, I, I I mean we talked about him earlier, and I don't really understand why there's some fade with this guy. I mean, I, I think John Rom is very safe this week. And was he 10,000 even flat, I think yeah, 10,000. Yeah, yep. 10, I mean, the guy is just, he's rock solid. You know, he's it's, it's not, it's, it's not a golf course where I think he's going to blow up and have like all these temper tantrums ball striking looks great. I think there's some room to regress with the putter to have a good week. I mean, I don't think he's going to win this week, but I, could I see him finishing top 10? Absolutely. And that's going to be pretty good for a cash line. That's really all you're looking for, you know, a nice safe option. And with his price point kind of lets you have like this deep lineup full of like really rock solid guys to just double your money. Um, I, in the $9,000 range, I mean, I, I, I can't find a follow Jason day. It's rock solid. Um, he has great history at TPC Boston. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, think, we've been over it. Aussie, 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 baby. Yeah, Let's go. Exactly. Jason Day. Yeah. And the same thing with Daniel Berger, just rock solid in every single category. Even if he's like, maybe not having a great putting week, he's going to make up with good you know, driving and approach play. Or if he's not really that great off the tee, he'll make up with a good iron play. I think he's great there. And then one guy we haven't talked about, who's really starting to heat up right before the playoffs is Kevin Kisner, our boy from last week. That's played right. Really well to win him. He's yeah. actually had really good iron play the last couple of tournaments. Um, his putter is red hot, which is a little concerning for me. And I'm worried that's going to fade away. But I mean, when Kisner is at his best, he's very precise with his irons and hot with a putter. And that's what's happening right now. So I think it's a good golf course for him. I don't think the golf course is too long for him. I think it's actually a good fit and I kind of like him this week. All right, man. All right. Well, listen, uh, I like all those cash game plays and uh, yeah, I, I probably, I probably need to get into cash game golf. Uh, Cause that's how, uh, that's how I do football too. Right. I try to, uh, as far as like game strategy goes, like I try to with football, I do, you know, a bunch of cash games to try to cover up my GPP lineups. And if I hit on GPP, I'm good uh, with golf. For some reason, I don't do that. I just like to uh, barely make money or lose everything. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so I probably need to start employing some sort of cash game strategy uh, for that. But I, uh, before we get to our uh, best bets uh, and our big short of the week that Steve's going to bring us in the DGen special that I'm going to do, uh, I want to talk to you about BetQL. Well, listen, if you need an advantage over the sports book with the NBA, NHL, or MLB that are all back in action, you need to download BetQL. The only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. Their bet algorithm scans thousands of data points to give you the best bet recommendation for every game and give you the reasoning behind why you should place the bet. Uh, also shows you the top best bets that the most profitable uh, to make sure that you're cashing in bet. QL has sharp data uh, for the NBA MLB and NHL. And if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. If you live in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, or West Virginia, you can claim exclusive offers from sports books and use BetQL's data to make the right bets. Head to the app store or Google play to download BetQL, And you can also head to BetQL.co and enter code SGP 20 for 20% off your first subscription. And uh, we can't forget ACE per head. Have you ever thought about starting your own sports book, but don't know how ACE per head is here to help you start your own sports book that provides you with an all inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top notch customer support 24 seven and have some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus ACE per head offers live betting and amazing mobile experience. Get started today. ACE is offering up to six weeks free. Uh, just go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. All right. The betting section. 
What do you want to start with? You want to start with matchups? You want to start with outrights? What do you want to do? I'll start with matchups. All right, come on. We did all right last week with the matchups. We did okay. We did great last week. Yeah. I think the only I think the only one that didn't really come through was uh, Harris English over Sungjae, just because Sungjae really proved us wrong. But fuck Jonathan Vegas bet. Good God. What I mean that was I mean that first <laughs> round it was a, it was a pillow fight. It was, <laughs> it was it that was so that but. Uh, but Cam Davis definitely rallied, you know, after that. He actually cashed a top 20 for me. I was very happy with that result. Yeah, absolutely. Started. Should I start? yeah. Just 6,300. Come on, let's go. Let's uh-huh. go again yep. this week. Go, Cam go. Davis. All right, so uh, what do you like? All right, so the first matchup we're going to start with, uh, I mean, we're. I think we're both big on fading Rory, and that's a scary proposition because Rory McIlroy. But, I mean, I'm looking at Justin Thomas minus 125 over Rory. Uh, I think Bryson is also near, like, minus 110. So, we're, you know, even though we have our differences between the two golfers who we like more, you can get them almost at even, you know, about like, you know, even both ways against okay. Rory and whatever. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't see a lot of confidence with Rory right now where I just, I can back him, And if I can get minus one twenty five with a player, I think can win this week, I'm going to take it. So uh, I'll go JT over Rory. Love yeah, it, and match. it's not too much juice, man. I mean, look, what, what one twenty-five? It only matters if you lose, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's really <laughs> much. right. Um, so I talked about a little bit of how much I like Shane Lowry this week. Uh, he's matched up against minus one thing. It's Cam Champ. You know, I mean, Cam Champ, very impressive. TBC Harding Park. This is a much different golf course. It's one thing to kind of bomb it all over the place at TBC Harding Park when the greens aren't very complicated and it's not very hard to get up and down from there. Uh, I don't think he can do something. I don't think he can do that again this week. The iron play with him is just really bad. Uh, I think Shane Lowry is going to beat him head to head. And then I know you like Louie and I, I am a perpetual Louie fader. I think the guy is so overrated and it's because I look at the stats and he just is never really good at the stats. Like, and, and he'll have like a big week yeah. and then he'll, Surround it with like T60s, T55s, missed cuts. It's just, it it ain't great. And I'm looking at our boy Siwoo Kim. And now I'm a little worried that the party is going to end, but I'm looking at my bookie and you can get him plus one and a half strokes over Louis at minus 125. I think I'm going to take that. I mean, honestly, Siwoo is an underdog to Louis this week. I don't really understand why that's priced that way, just based on their recent form. I mean, Louis had that T6 in Memphis, but other than that, he's been pretty bad in the restart. Siwoo is red hot right now. I mean, I'll, I'll take one and a half strokes and give a little bit of juice, um, you know, just to kind of save me a little bit in case, you know, he kind of turns back into a pumpkin. Exactly. Uh, look, I, I don't completely hate that bet. I definitely understand the reasoning behind it. I just, like I said before with Louie, I just feel like these are the type of events he shows up in. And he's just one of those guys who just plays well at these type of events for me. Uh, so my matchups, I'm going uh, Harris English over speed minus minus one ten, like whatever all day. Like I, I just fade speed and English is playing. Well, like we said, he's, he's not sexy. He's not anything. He gets the job done. And you know, if speed melts down on whatever day, then it's a wrap. Like even if he makes the cut, he can still uh, end up, T 65 at plus nine. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then uh can't lay over Brooks minus minus one twenty. Uh don't particularly love can't lay, but I just hate Brooks's reason for him. Uh, and I just don't think, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I just think Brooks is not right. And I don't think it'll be better. I, I, I wish he would have just took some weeks off, took this off and just waited for the majors for next year. So we could see the killer that he 
air quotes is, you know what I mean? Like we'll see if he really is. And then uh, I took uh, Benny in uh, over Henley uh, minus uh, minus one ten, just cause you know, I like to gamble. <laughs> so, so that's why I took them. <laughs> what's, what's funny about that. You know, the Spider-Man meme of like the two Spider-Man pointing at each other. Yeah, that's basically them. this matchup. Two guys yeah, are really good ball strikers and two guys that can't pot. Yeah, I know. That's why I like it, man. Hey, listen, it's like dice, man. You're going to throw the dice and see what happens every once in a while. Get a little juice flowing. Uh, all right. So who do you got? Who do you got for your outrights? Well, I mean, I, I think we talked a lot, a lot of guys who I like this week. Um, you know, I, I'll have my picks column this week. So you can kind of see the reasoning why, but you know, at least of the favorites, I mean, I think my core five guys are JT at 12 to one Xander, 20 to one Jason day, 25 to one Patrick Reed, 28 to one. I really like how Patrick Reed is starting to peak right now. And I think he might, you know, I think he's, he might be on his way to win a fast cup title just because he plays usually well in these events. I love his form right now. And then Daniel Berger, 33 to one. Like I, it's a, it's a little bit of a sticker shock seeing him under 40 to one, but I mean, the guy's just so rock solid and he's shown he can win. So of like the favorites, you know, I see these guys gaining a ton of strokes overall in the field, um, you know, over the last four tournaments, when you see that usually, you know, at least one of those guys is going to, you know, if they're knocking on the door like that, they're going to come for, you know, for a win. And then for long shots, um, I mentioned earlier, I really love Kevin Kisner this week. I think he's peaking right now. You can get him at 66 to one. And you know, this is a guy who's displaying great ball striking, great putting right now. You know, he definitely could go low and, you know, steal this tournament. Uh, Matthew Wolf was a guy I gave really high praise to. He has a huge ceiling. He's at 70 to one. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot to like with him. And then again, Shane Lowry, hundred to one. I really like a lot of what I'm seeing from it as hundred to one. I think, you know, looking at some of the guys are priced around there. They don't really have as much winning upside as he does. So I think that's a decent long shot to uh, win this tournament. Yeah, man. Uh, I like him. Uh, so I'm going to be super square with my first two, but maybe not my first two, but Bryson 11 to one. I mean, I just think the dude is, is a beast right now. Like I said, I don't even like him. Like I don't like watching him golf. I'm not a Bryson fan. I barely roster him for some reason. I'm on him this week. I don't know. I got a bug in, bug in my ear about it. Uh, DJ 16 to one. Once again, my boy, love him. I I'm on day 22 to one. Uh, once again, for no reason, Woodland 60 to one. Uh, I really think that karma is going to come back for him, man. I like him in the top 10 too. I really like Woodland in the top 10, uh, Redmond 125 to one. The dude, we didn't talk about him, you know, low seven thousand dollar range for DK, but one twenty five to one. The dude was right there on the Sunday. Um, he's proven he can play with these boys, and uh, he's been red hot lately. And uh, I guess uh, I'll go with my Dgen special man. This is it, DraftKings and betting. Keegs, man, Keegan Bradley, let's go two hundred to one, <laughs> under seven k. Uh, he's great with his irons. Dude can't putt worth a shit. But it's his it, it, look. He's from Boston. Uh, it's all, you know what I mean? He's played on these type of stuff his whole life. And uh, if you look, I mean, uh, the guys who are from these areas now, especially without having to deal with the fans, like I've heard this from plenty of other podcasts and it starts to make sense. Like, all right, well, all these guys don't have all the obligations. They have tickets. They don't have, you know, their third grade teacher out there watching them hit driver. Um, I love Keegs. Like uh, uh, I just, he's, he's a good dude. He loves all the sports teams. I love the Bruins, the Pats, Red Sox. Uh, funny story about the poor prick. Uh, I was hanging around TPC down here, uh, Sawgrass uh, at the players. And uh, we were on 17. I watched him go to 17. I walked over with him to 18. And I was like, yo, Keegs, man, bring home another championship for Boston on 18. It was like Friday, right into the fucking drink. I was like, oh, no. 
Sorry, bro. I what, a, what a mush. I was like, oh, my God, I mushed you. I looked at my wife. I was like, I just mushed Keegan Bradley. Shit, let's go. <laughs> but, yeah, I love Keegs this week at 201. Uh, I, look, he's probably not going to win it, but uh, I think uh, I think a top 20 is more than likely there, man. Like, these are these are the type of courses he grew up playing on. Um, and he's, he's a great iron player, man. He just can't fucking putt. Like, one week he might be able to get it. He hasn't had a top 20 in, I don't know, eight tournaments. He's due. Let's go, Keegs. You know, I, I mean, I listen, I, I, he's not on my radar this week, but I've seen him get off the hot starts. So maybe first round leader might be the way to go with him just because, you know, it is technically, I mean, he's a chowder head. It's in his backyard uh, and the, his ball striking is great, but you're right. I mean, I think over his last four, four tournaments, he's lost 1.4 strokes on it around the greens. It's really bad. So bad. So, but I mean, if it's first round, like you just need one good putting week. So maybe that's the route to go, but you know what? You're going with your heart there. I, I go, it's ad, it's very admirable. <laughs> Thanks bro. All right. Give us, give us your big short, man. Who are you going to give? All right. Well, I mean, I am shorting your chalk play Ooh. and that's, and that's Bryson for all, right. all the, for all the reasons I stated earlier. I think it's one thing to go to a golf course where he can pummel it like Detroit golf club or TBC Harding Park, where he can hit it over the yard and he can kind of pop balls out of the green. He doesn't really have to worry about like, you know, pretty tough like bunkers to get out of or, you know, like, you know, tough undulating greens got to navigate around. But if you go to a Gil Hands golf course, you have to have your irons. And the dude just doesn't have it. Like, I, like, it, I don't like seeing him give up all those strokes he gains off the tee with his irons and he's not a good enough scrambler to compensate for it. And I just think the guy is not Steve Stricker. He's not 2005 Jordan Spieth making everything under the sun on the greens. At some point, all these great putting numbers are going to come crashing to earth. And I'm going to take all my options of shorting Bryson. I'm going to go to the bank and cash them all. And then I'm going to go sell water commodities like Michael Burry did and make short. <laughs> I love it, baby. How awesome would it be if we could actually shut golfers though? You know what I mean? To be able to fade like public golfers. Well, there was, a, there was a guy in the Slack chat. I, I forget what book was, but they offered something pretty interesting where they basically offered like an over under finishing position. And that's a really good way to short guys. Like, oh, you know, yeah. let's say Bryson's like over under is like 15th. Right. Well, I don't like him, So I'm going to take mm, the under on the under now. Now the payout is like, I think every, like it, it like it, like, let's say it's like a $5 bet. Right. Every position he finishes worse than that, you get five dollars. So you, oh, yeah. so yeah, you're you're multiplying it. But every mm-hmm. position is right. better. All right. No free advertising on the sports gambling podcast network. If they want to advertise, they can talk about it. We That's can talk true. about that on Slack. My chat, my, my We can we can we can we can talk about that on the Slack chat though, and we can make our own side bets. Um. All right, man. So I guess uh, look, uh, we're getting ready for this week, and don't forget to follow us, subscribe, like on the sports gambling podcast network. Let us know what you guys like, what you guys don't like. Um. Look, we're putting all. Uh, a show a week, but we also got UFC stuff coming out on this network. All the football stuff coming from the sports gambling podcast guys. Uh, football season is right around the corner. Fantasy, AFC East previews, uh, every division preview. Um, 
I mean, look, uh, everything's coming out good. Sports are back in full swing. Follow the network, get some knowledge. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Boston underscore Capper. Uh, Steve is not on Twitter, but you can come get us both on the on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network Slack channel. Man, stuff goes off in there. We got NBA, golf, DFS, hockey, football, general everything. Man, uh, it's a good spot to be. Um, so listen, for me and Steve, listen, let's get some green screens this week. Let's cash some tickets, and uh, we'll see you next next week when it's down to 70 and uh, good luck to everybody. Green screens. Let's go motherfuckers. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.